Welcome, everyone, to episode 60 of the Indie Reds podcast. I'm your jubilant host, Joe Dilling. We've got two curmudgeons as co-hosts tonight. Welcome to the Bloody Baron, a.k.a. Brian Smith, and Jim Dimitri. Welcome, gentlemen. Get off my lawn. You called me a curmudgeon. <laughs> well, it fits. <laughs> hey, good, good evening. I'm still bleeding. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that a little bit later. Hey, we're not going to um, – I'm not doing too many bullet points tonight. Um so what we'll just do is we'll just talk about the Derby and we'll look forward to the next week. Uh, we're hitting that festive period. Uh, but first, you know, let's get started with an opening question. Coming off first, I will answer first. What is your favorite Christmas candy or goodies? Um, for those of you, maybe it's different everywhere else, but we like to eat special candy um, around Christmas time, uh, special snacky treats or whatever um but mine it, it's really hard to be like the the mini reese's cups I typically only ever get those at christmas time um and my parents would buy them by the bag and they would disappear within a day uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why i'm morbidly obese but those <laughs> those things are fabulous um love them still to this day um but also my mom's homemade Chex mix always love that as well and that's a that's something that usually comes out at christmas time jim I uh, know that you are at least partially Jewish uh, and celebrate Hanukkah, so um, you can make this. Uh, what was it? You had something. Was it Chris Monica? Christmaka. Christmaka. Yeah. So I, have, I, that is a thing that comes from the uh, the old TV show, The OC. I don't know if you guys ever watched that. No. Ever at all? <laughs> I I caught maybe three or four episodes, I think, but some character on the show created this hybrid holiday called Christmaka because he was from a mixed Jewish Christian family. So there you go. There we go. That's fair. Uh, but, um, well, I mean, if you're talking about Hanukkah, I, I, if you've ever had good potato latkes, which are basically potato pancakes, um, those are awesome. Um, the, the quality varies depending on who makes them for you. Uh, but, uh, I'm also part, also partial to the Reese's peanut butter. You, you were talking about the mini peanut butter cups. Yeah. Now they have the, the, uh, trees. I mean, well, at least they're vaguely shaped like trees. <laughs> they're kind of a, an amorphous tree shaped blob. Um, and then if, if you want something really bizarre, this is, this is actually not a favorite candy, but I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, in Catalonia, they have this weird Christmas tradition where they um, people have a a log in their house with a face on it, and they hit it with a stick, and it craps out candy. Um, it's called. I'm serious. I am serious. It's called cagatillo, which means shit log. And if you if you if you go look it up on Wikipedia, I, I literally was going to say crap log. It's, it, it, it literally translates to crap log. If you if you if you go onto Wikipedia and you look it up, it's sort of like the the Catalonian Santa Claus. And um, when when any the, the kids actually hit it with a stick to get it to crap out candy and presents and treats. And they sing this shit log song. So go to Wikipedia, look it up, <laughs> is, and you will uh, be educated on the Christmas traditions of Catalonia. Jim, is it anything like, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo, he loves no, me, it, it's, I love it's you. it's not. It's, it's, it's simpler than that. So, <laughs> okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Brian, f- favorite Christmas candy or goodies? Top that, Brian. <laughs> I was all ready to go with some, what I thought was some pretty good suggestions here, but now I'm not so sure. Um, 
The Christmas trees are good, Joe. I think you should call them Reese's four, three, two, one. If you kind of lay it on the table there and take <laughs> a look go. at the, the shape. Later. So it's a peanut butter and chocolate. Uh, I guess a four, three, two, one, if you're looking at it correctly. Um, Jim, I'm curious what the, the holiday shit log is like if an Everton kid is eating it, hitting it, <laughs> or both. So maybe we can get to that. But um, it puts yeah, out sour I mean, grapes. I, I have a Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale open right now, right next to me here. The 2018 Celebration Ale from Sierra Nevada is terrific, so I have to throw that in there. However, if we're talking about things that you know family makes and that are special, I've had years and years and years of my family making just like 8 million different Christmas cookies and, and sharing them with people. And But my favorite of all of those is the... The peanut butter cookies that you make and you put the Hershey's Kiss in, oh, in the so middle good. of it. And I've got – my mom's made it for years. My wife's made it for years. Now our daughter makes them with them. So three generations of Smith making those things along with many, many others. But other than the beer and the Everton shit log, the, uh, the peanut butter cookie with the Hershey's <laughs> Kiss in the middle is my favorite. <laughs> the Everton shit log. Great, Brian. Thanks, guys. That's a great way with Everton shit log to uh, – to start up talking about the the match, so so I just have this this section titled "The City Is Red." So lately on the pod, I've started with a mini recap of the match, but I think I'll mix it up for a little bit. So unless you've been living under a rock for the past two or three days, you know what happened in this match. So what's the point of recapping it? So let's just go ahead and start breaking this one down. The Reds win, and that's all that matters. Let's start pre-match. Last week, I was pouring praise on the four-two-three-one, and Klopp bought, brought it back. Sorry, this week. Uh, what was your take on the formation and the team selection, Brian? I'll admit it. At UJ's where I was watching the match from, I didn't notice right away it was a four-two-three-one. I kind of thought it was more of a four-three-three, and upon a, a second glance, obviously, I was wrong. I missed the graphic pregame that that displayed it as a four-two-three-one. I was too busy selling. Uh, you know, hat pulls for a dollar, I guess, and and uh, that was fine. But yeah, looking back on it, it was the right move, and and you know, anything we can do that gets Shakiri onto the pitch at this point is a good thing. And and uh, you know, Fabino and Juan Aldum were were pretty solid most of the match, and in that kind of dual defensive role. So Everton were good, but at, at first glance, that was the right move by Klopp and. You know, really, what what are you going to do with the back four? I mean, it's Trent was ready to go, Gomez is or Gomez is ready to go. Excuse me, and and obviously Virgil and Robertson are starting every single game from now until you know 2050, I hope. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and initially seeing the lineup, I was I was ready to go, so we were excited, and UJ's was packed, and I, I, it was a pretty good selection. And yeah, four two three one, you were right. I, I, yeah, I think I called it sexy last week. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, so Jim, same questions, but uh, I do want to point out something. I'm going to jump in real quick. Um, yeah, you're not going to keep Trent out of this match. A local boy, keep him out of the derby? No way. No way in heck, man. Trent had to start this match. I, I, I don't know why I overlooked that when we talked about it last week. So, Jim, uh, what was your take on the formation and the team selection? Uh, you know, I wasn't surprised at all. I, I think I'm in the same same camp as Brian here. Um, if, if you think about it, if you you know we were we were talking about the um, the four three two one being the Christmas tree, the four two three one is kind of if you think about it, Joe. Since you're talking about sexy things, it's kind of an hourglass shape if you think about it. <laughs> bow, bow, 
There you go. Yeah. Throw, throw the sexy music and throw, throw on some Barry White, everybody. Um, uh, but I, I thought it was the right selection. I, you know, I, I think thinking back on the match, I, I know we don't have him slated in to talk about him specifically, but I, you know, I thought Shakiri had a little more of a difficult time in this match. And, and, and the, just confessing here, I've only watched the match once on Sunday when I was uh, enjoying a Miller High Life. So my perspective might and my memory might not be great. Um, but, but it seemed to me that, he did, that Shakiri had a little bit more difficulty penetrating uh, the Everton defense than he did uh, against um, Watford. Um, so, uh, but that probably had to do with, with the team we were playing. And then the fact that it was a Derby as well. Um, so I, I thought bottom line, it was it, the Klopp made the right decision to, to bring out that formation. Um, particularly considering uh, as we saw in the match that, um, Everton could be pretty, pretty dangerous in the attack. So Jim, what was your kind of take on the match? We're not doing the kind of, Hey, let's talk about this, this, and this. I just had some stuff down that was on my mind. So, you know, go ahead and start, start breaking it down if you, if you will. Okay. Well then let me talk about players. Um, you know, uh, I, I think, uh, a big topic of conversation has got to be Fabinho. I was happy to see that he started. Um, I, I thought, you know, uh, as a complete match, I didn't think he was, uh, amazing or fantastic, but I think he had stretches of the match and particularly in, in the second half where I thought he was pretty effective. Um, uh, I thought Allison was immense. You know, he was just fantastic. There was that one sequence where he, um, he blocked the shot and then Gomez cleared it off the line. That was just amazing. Mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, I thought, Keda in his time in the match, I wish he'd come on earlier, uh, but I, I thought he was he was effective as well. I mean, you know, he didn't see the ball. I don't remember uh, a lot, but uh, from what I recall, he was he was good at, at his runs and he was um, effective at, at making some inroads into the to the Everton defense. Um, and then last, I think we're, we're I, I'm, I guess I'm going to steal your guys' thunder maybe on this a little bit, but. Um, I think Jordan Pickford got killed by instant karma based on his pre-match comments about how he wasn't going to be as big of a risk taker like, like Allison was. Oh, he, he, uh, he said that earlier in the season. It was like, uh, yeah. it was after the first time that the Allison, uh, it, it made a guy look a fool by popping the ball over him. And then right. the next match, he, he kind of got burned on it. So, um, it was right about that time that Jordan Pickford came out and said, Oh yeah, well, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not going to make that kind of, those kind of blunders like Allison. Kind of right. a, a cheap shot across the across the park, one would have. So th- th- those are my kind of uh, half baked thoughts about the match. Brian, what, what are you thinking, kind of on the match, and then then we'll kind of maybe uh, maybe I'll circle back. All right, sure. Well, I, I think Jim was right about Fabino. It, it, it's in the first half at UJJ was really kind of critical of a couple times. I, I think he had a kind of a poor 10-minute stretch in the first half, and that was really about it. Other than that, he was pretty effective and, you know, started well. Then that 10-minute stretch was about maybe a minute 10 to minute 20 or, or 15 to 25, somewhere around there. Uh, you know, he got beat off the dribble a couple times, got beat by a, a couple of square balls and some one-twos and some, some I don't want to say simple attacking by Everton. It was, it was just um, 
you know, they did the right thing with a little bit of space and, and played some simple balls and was really, in hindsight, going to go past a lot of defenders or a lot of central midfielders in this league. So I was a bit harsh on Fabino, you know, watching the match initially. Um, and, and that's after watching it a second time. So overall, I think he was very good and, and, you know, won a lot of balls, played a couple of good balls going forward, won some balls in the attacking half of the field, which is exactly what you want to see from a player in that position. So I thought he was, he was pretty solid. I think Firmino was, it was a bit off there. You know, there's a couple of times in the first half, he gave the ball away like twice in a minute. And, you know, we're really seeing him play a different position this year than we saw last year. He's not going to come nowhere near the, the goal score that he had last year. And I, I think really that's just the formation we're playing, the system we're playing, you know, Salah's central ahead of him and, and Bobby's dropping really, really deep a lot of the match. And, and that's just kind of, um, oh, you know, it's just making it more difficult for him to do anything like he did last year. And that's, he's doing it obviously because Klopp asked him to, and that's what the team needed him to do. And in a game like this, you know, you'd play, you need players to, to kind of do whatever it takes to get the job done. And, and for me, it was a little deep for my taste, but you know, you can't ask really anybody else in this team to drop central and, and hold the ball up and distribute. You know, Salah's not big enough for that. Shakiri's not really big and physical enough for that. So Firmino's trying to get it done. And, and although he popped up in a lot of good positions and got the ball, he gave it away a little bit too much for my taste. Still got yeah. a couple shots off and shots on goal, but you know, not his best match. And, and obviously he came off in the second half. And, and uh, I, I don't think any of us at GJs were surprised by that when he came off. Um, Jim mentioned Allison, who was just massive today. Just terrific saves. And, you know, not that Pickford didn't make a couple of saves, which he did. Allison made several saves as well. Now, Liverpool had 13 shots, but I think only three were on target. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison made, you know, more saves. And compare Allison's distributions to Pickford's. I mean, oh Pickford gosh. kicks the ball out for a goal or for a corner kick in the first minute with a wild left footed clearance that was only the only worst, you know, kind of side volley the whole match was Allison's 96 and a half minutes later. It just Allison was terrific all day long. He's just, I'm so glad we've got this guy. And we all know how great he is. I was, I was really happy to see him play so well. And, um, you know, other than that, we'll, we'll get into the, to the details of the end of the game later, but yeah, that was my initial takeaway on a few players there. What do you think, Joe? I thought the team started very strong. I, I we could have had, and this is, I, I think it kind of leads to a little bit of frustration on my point. We could have had it. I think at one point, Men and Blazers uh, posted on Twitter, this should be 4 nothing Liverpool. And that was like in the first 15 minutes of the match. I mean, they had that many chances, and they just didn't convert. I mean, I can think of Shakiri having having a one. It was a good save by Pickford. I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. But, I mean, Shakiri hit it low, where I think as if he if he pops up, gives a little bit more altitude, that he can get to give it a chip, uh, chip uh, Pickford going down. It, it is what it is. That'll happen. But Mane, I mean, he had at least three or four chances, you know, where he was on, and he was last offender, and he just missed it. I don't know if it's something going on in his psyche, but he really hasn't been he hasn't been bagging him like he like he should. It's like he he can score a difficult one, but the but the easy one or the easier ones he he makes a mistake on and then uh and then we don't score goals. I think Liverpool did a really good job of creating chances. It was just the finishing. And that's that's been the frustrating part for me this whole season, and I think with everybody else as well. As you look at the team, and we should have more goals. Yes, these games should be put away by now. But, you know, it, it's just the finishing isn't there. 
or Mohamed Salah is trying to do too much, or they hold onto the ball. They don't. They 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 aren't. They're trying to be unselfish uh, in the front three, and 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 then they they then the play breaks down or the attack breaks down. Um, there's so many different times where that's happened, or maybe they should have made a simpler pass or something instead of maybe that extra touch. So I mean, and this is just me as as a unexperienced. I'm not out there living it in the moment, um, but I think. I think it's frustrating the guys a little bit um, as well because it, honestly, this game should have been over by halftime. Just, just everyone's. I've been seeing everyone praise Everton, uh, but it really could have been gone. It, this game could have been done and dusted with the chances that they had if Liverpool could have just converted their chances. And that was that. That was my biggest frustration of the, of, uh, of the match. Um, I'm like you guys said. I thought Firmino was he. He really wasn't playing that great. Um, but I think it kind of goes back to his role. But I think he uh, he's missing something, and I don't know if maybe taking a taking a a, a midweek break um, that against Burnley might help him a little bit. Uh, kind of take some of that that uh, <clears throat> that pressure. Maybe he's feeling extra pressure or something along those lines. Uh, something along those lines. Yeah, I really liked Fabino. I thought Fabino was fantastic the whole match. Uh, Jim was kind of ho hum on on Fabino. Uh, I thought that I thought he was fantastic. I mean, I, I keep going back to he was right there to break up plays when he needed to be, um, <clears throat> or when he was close, he would break up a play. He'd take he'd make a, a hard challenge foul, and it would kind of to get into heads and psyches, um, which is what you want from a defensive midfielder. I mean, look at the number of times that Javier Mascherano would go in hard on somebody, or you know they they always talk about uh, Sunis going in hard on somebody when he needed to that kind of enforcer type. And looking at Fabino, you don't think that he's going to be that guy. I mean, he, he looks like he maybe weighs one hundred pounds, you know. <laughs> but but he goes in and he he'll, he's not afraid of a hard tackle. He's not afraid to pick up a card. Uh, we'll lose him for a couple games uh, for for card accumulation at some point this season. But but so be it. I, can can I add something about Fabinho, Joe? Yeah, Brian, Jim, sorry, go ahead. Sure. Um, you know, I, I don't think he was ho-hum. I thought he he grew in stature as the match went along. Um, as, as Brian mentioned, when we got to the second half, I, I felt like he really hit his groove at that point. And another thing is I really like him and Wijnaldum together in the midfield, you know, because Wijnaldum is, is kind of playing a pivot. I mean, it's not a pure pivot, I don't think, and that, you know, when he gets into advanced positions, he's not going to blow by people or anything. But um, I, I think those two, when they're anchoring the midfield, um, uh, have a certain synergy with one another that I, I think works well, and I'd like to see it more often. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I th- honestly, I though I thought James Milner was going to get the start ahead of uh, Jenny. I didn't think Kaita was was going to be ready yet. He might be ready for for t- uh, Wednesday's match. Um, we'll find out in a few hours, <laughs> essentially. But uh, but yeah, I I think I think it was the right choice. And I on I yeah, I, I thought Jenny was poor against PSG, and then he came in and kind of redeemed himself. I thought he played really well in the match. Brian, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, I think you're onto something there. I. I- I think by the time some of our listeners get to this, Kate will have played 90 minutes against Burnley. Yeah, true. <laughs> and, and I'm, you know, I don't know that I'm really sticking my neck out very far in saying that. I want to see Kate and Fabino and Jeannie in a three man midfield. Yes. yes I really, I really, really want to see that. So, you know, that means Henderson's off to the side. That means Milner, who I adore, is, is not playing. 
but I want to see the the athleticism and the versatility and the just ability to you know Bakeda take on players and maybe beat them off the dribble. The, the, I think these guys are going to move the ball quickly. I think they're going to win the ball all over the place and get rid of it quickly. When all three of them are, are playing at their best, those that could be a fantastic midfield three. Um, I really want to see that. Now I don't know that we'll see it against Burnley. But I think we'll see it this year, and, and I think it could be terrific. I'm excited yeah. for it. Let's put it that way. Because we came in this season, and <clears throat> starting the season, we, we were all saying, man, this, this midfield is going to be our strength. This midfield is going to be our strength. But the past three months, we've been talking about how, God, this midfield's been terrible. And and I think it's just it's taken Kaita and Fabino a little bit longer than, than what a lot of us were expecting to settle. So they're starting to settle, and I think that's going to take a lot of that pressure off of the front three. If they have a consistent, reliable three-man midfield that they can rely on that's going to get them the ball, get them in good positions, going to feed Trent and Andy, um, and and not be afraid of that uh, that counterattack. Because let's be honest, that's exactly what Everton was doing. They were hoofing the ball up to Richarlison. I mean, they, they would, there was some build-up play, don't get me wrong, but there was we saw a lot of Richarlison. I'm probably saying that wrong, but anyway. Um, no, that's right. And, and yeah, he, you, you you smack the shit log with the stick and you kick it to Richard. That's the song. <laughs> okay, so uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties there. Uh, we had to get the shit log out of our system. So uh, let's get back to it. Uh, we're talking about Everton. <laughs> 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 Counterattack. Uh, Literally, get counter the shit log out of our system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get the shit log out of our systems. <laughs> Go for a restroom, oh boy. restroom break. No, let's get back this to is, this. This is going downhill really quickly. I know you we were talking about we were talking about the midfield and how uh how you think we'd all love to see the uh the uh <laughs> the the sorry, the Fabino Kaita uh Winaldo midfield. Um I, I'd like to go one better. Uh, I'd like to see maybe uh, next season, though, because I don't think we're going to get anybody in January. It's really always a tough time to do it. But I'd like to see an upgrade on Wijnaldum. I think it can be done, and that would be a disastrous midfield, I think, for anybody uh, to come up against, especially if if uh, Kaita and Fabino keep playing that way. Uh, I really like Ginny. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm glad that he's a red, but I think that that's a spot that we can upgrade. Do you have any thoughts on who might be the upgrade? Uh, they they had some Z- Zilinski uh, comments, co- rumors come out this week. Um, I don't think Christian Pulisic doesn't play that. By the way, I think that might have been where you no. were going, Jim. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't play in that role. Um, and but the thing is, is we're gonna have Ox, so Ox will hopefully be back and back to full strength too. So I think that midfield just gets even more uh, more powerful next summer uh, or this coming summer or whatever. Um, but let, let's get back to this. Or, Matt. you know, when Go Napoli ahead. comes here to uh, Anfield, we're going to say, hey, uh, Zelensky, you get to stay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, you know, it might be 20 days or something before you officially can. But no, I don't think he, I don't think he's leaving. And, and why would we do that, though? Seriously, because he'd be cup tied and we have to pay that premium unless he's on. Yeah, I, I don't right. know. I don't know all the details. Like he might be um, getting close to the, like in the last year and a half of his contract or something like that. And then and not looking to sign with with uh, resign with Napoli. Believe, but I don't. I don't really see that happening. He's. I. I'm, I just pulled a, him up on Wikipedia. He's been with Napoli since 2016, so his contract's probably longer than two years, isn't it? I uh, would guess so. Yeah, I think so. And uh, and I if, and the reports where he was trying to get uh, Marco Gruzic to uh, to join them in the summer, also last summer. 
Okay. So he, I, I think he's happy in Napoli, <laughs> trying to get people to come. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the match. I mean, you know, we talked about how great Allison was, and Brian really mentioned the uh, the distribution. There was one thing I saw where uh, <laughs> somebody's like, "You have to turn the sound on for this." And it was like talking about how how good of a kicker uh, uh, Pickford was, and then he just shanks one right off into the sideline, and he just said they're laughing because it, you know it is what it is, and and the difference between Allison and uh, and Pickford was so. Is so obvious. We really have a live one with Allison, and I and honestly, I was one that was like, yeah, we can get by with a mediocre keeper, but man, what a difference having having Allison Becker on this team really makes. And I'll, I'll say that week and week, you probably get tired of hearing it, but there, there's nothing there's nothing more that can be said. The the wherewithal of him to set up the last play. When there's the foul, and he realizes that it's too far out for Trent to get it anywhere near the box, so he he comes, steps up, and does a and does the play to Trent, so that Trent can take a, a few touches and get set up better uh, to make that cross in. Was was uh, I mean I don't think anybody's talking about it, and that was that was very important I think to set up to um, Pickford T Rexing it, uh, T Rex arming it off the top of the post. <laughs> I I I think a lot of people are talking about that, Joe. I mean, Jim commented on it live, like you know, a half second after it happened at UJ's, that it kind of surprised everybody. All of a sudden, Allison's in the picture, plays a ball to you know, as you mentioned, out to Trent, and whether he likes to hit a moving ball or I think it was more about the angle that that Trent's ball was able to take instead of taking it from a set piece, you know, taking it from a little bit further up the pitch and certainly a little bit wider right. Yeah, you know, it kind of helped. It kind of helped the situation. Now it didn't help Virgil, but it helped us <laughs> try to get a header down or a header back across or something like that. You know, Everton won that ball, but it, it was a smart play by Allison to run up and just tap it. You know, ten fifteen yards ahead for Trent, and you know, obviously everything went crazy from there. Yeah, I could but, tell. Uh, yeah, it was smart. I could tell. I think Allison could tell as well. But but if you look, if you go back. And watch a little bit of it. He looked uneasy with it. Trent is kind of he, he his body language is kind of looking like he's hemming and hawing on what he wants to do. And then I, I think Allison just steps up and kind of as a nice, great leader role that we want a keeper to be. Maybe not a number one on this Liverpool team. Excuse me. Maybe not an, an armband uh, on this Liverpool team. Uh, but but you can still be a leader, especially uh, from the keeper position, especially in the box. Uh, but but I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was a great heads up play. And I also love that he didn't run all the way back to the goal because he's right there after after Origi heads it home in pure madness uh to to hug Klopp at midfield. So we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh but let's let's go ahead and start talking about that goal. So I, I uh I was at home with one of the boys while the other one was at a birthday party with my wife. Um so I wasn't able to be at Union Jacks. Brian, why don't you go ahead and, and describe what the situation was like uh when that goal goes in? It was absolute crazy, man. I mean, you know, it builds up, and we're all thinking, yeah, let's get one more chance. Let's get one more chance. And the clock is ticking down. You know, we've made all of our subs. The, the Everton supporters at Union Jack, and there was more than I've ever seen there before. It was a good crowd of, of indie Reds as well, and we had a good time. But, you know, there were some blues in the crowd, and, and you know, the staff is doing great. We're drinking our beers and, and the clock is ticking down. We're thinking, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? And, and I'll be honest, I was kind of resigned to like, okay, this is going to end up nil nil. And 
Trent launches that ball in to the box and Everton win the header. It comes out to Virgil. He tries this kind of side volley and, and just completely mishits it and skies it. And we're like, shit, that's it. You know, there was audible groans and moans and, you know, damn it. Why didn't, you know, we're all probably thinking, why didn't he take a touch? And, and then try to, why did he try to first time that, that, that freaking thing bounces off the bar. And it's just, I, I still can't believe it. You know, Origi had hit the bar a couple minutes before, but I know we're talking about the goal. There was a handball shout before. But, you know, this ball goes off to Pickford or the bar or both or whatever, off the bar again, and Origi nods at home from, you know, a foot and a half away. <laughs> and the whole place goes absolutely berserk, at least all the Reds, Indy Reds did. I, I don't really remember. I remember where I was at. I, re- I don't remember who I was hugging first or second or third or 20th. I remember how loud it was. I remember how un- I, I still can't believe that it happened. It, it was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, there, there's there are hundreds and hundreds of better ways to win a match. You know, thirty yard screamers and, and individual brilliance and just examples of the beautiful game or whatever you want to call it. But there's no better way to beat a resurgent Everton, a, the, probably the best Everton team I've seen in. A decade. There's no way, better way to beat them one nil than that goal for their goalkeeper to screw up in the 96th minute, <laughs> and everybody goes absolutely berserk. I stomped on people. I was hugging people that I didn't know their names. I was hugging 20 people that I didn't know their names. It was absolutely nuts. I, I will never ever forget it. it. It was one of the top five moments I've ever enjoyed with this club. Awesome, awesome. Um, so, Brian, you got a little bit of a, a flesh wound too, as well, right? I did. Yeah. Somehow in the in the celebration, I mean, there, there was arms flying everywhere. There was, I, I mean, I, I don't really know what happened, but I, I got this scratch on my face, like on my cheek, and uh, you know, before I didn't even know Klopp ran on the pitch. You know, we didn't even see any of that because we're all going absolutely berserk. We didn't see the Everton supporters leave who had paid their check like in the 75th minute. <laughs> We're all going absolutely nuts. And, and I'm like, I'm feeling my face like down by my lip on my cheek and I'm bleeding. <laughs> and somebody, no, somebody else notices I'm bleeding. I'm like, yeah, I'm bleeding. I'm like, I don't care, you know. And it just doesn't stop for like five or six or seven minutes. I still have a scratch on my face two and a half days later. It's like very, very noticeable. It's more noticeable now than I think it was at that moment. I've got you know, people that work for me ask me like, what happened to your face? And, and I'm having a little bit of fun with it in my answers, but, uh, yeah, you know, shed a little blood for three points against Everton. I'll, I'll hell, I'll do that every weekend. I don't care. The scene in the Dilling house went like this. Um, the ball goes to Virgil, Virgil miss hits it. Dang it. And then all of a sudden, Rigi heads it in. Oh my God. Oh my God. At least 20 times. The dog's going nuts, running back and forth. It's all excited. My son's thinking that something really bad happened. He rips off a headphones from his tablet and watching some, some Christmas show or something or Paw Patrol or whatnot. And, uh, and I have to, have to explain to him after I calm down for, I don't know, maybe five minutes later, what, what really happened. And I mean, he's, he's three. He doesn't know. Excuse me, he's four. He doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, but anyway, it was it was fun. It was a it was a great way to end the match. But Brian, you know, I I think you kind of hit the you kind of led to the next section because you talked. Well, about let's go just, to let's go to Jim first. Jim was oh, behind sorry. me. At Jim, DJ. go ahead. Sorry to was, stop on you there, Joe. No, but no, 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 no. Jim, what was your what was your angle? What was your perspective? Because I mean, uh, this is for me. This is a, a, a this is a classic goal. Where you're talking about forever and ever and ever. 
it wasn't classic from a from an aesthetic standpoint, but it was just I don't know. What's your take on it? So I was sitting back uh, by the window ledge near next to Michael Mead, and um, I when I saw Virgil shank that ball, I was you know getting my car keys out of my pocket, thinking, okay, time to go home. And then I look back up and I see the ball bouncing off the bar, Rigi heading it in, and then everybody's screaming. And I just kind of stood there in shocked silence. I didn't know how to react. And then that's when I noticed Brian bleeding and thinking, oh my gosh, are we going to have to call the ambulance? What the hell is going on? And it was it was just a situation of shock. I mean, pleasant shock, but still just stunned silence. I don't think I yelled at all, um, which is a bit bizarre. I think part of that was because I was resigned to the draw. Um, yeah. So it was it was sort of a pleasant surprise. I honestly thought the ball was out before, but then but then on replay, Pickford keeps it in. Thank you, Jordan Pickford. <laughs> but he, I'm not I, kidding. I, I I watched that 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 night. I watched the replays of it that night, and the angles, the camera angles that they were showing the replays from. It, it was hard to tell whether he actually got his hands on the ball. I. I, I did he? I mean, did you guys see any replays that show? That it he looks like he volleyballs it back in, and honestly, it looks like he he he's like going up to play volleyball and either do a block or you know a set and uh, and knocks it back in. That's the way it looked to me. He just gets a little bit of a touch on it and it keeps it in and it bounces off the the, the top of the post again, or excuse me, the crossbar again, and then comes back and and re- just finds it. And he he immediately knows that he that he screwed up because he's down scrambling for the ball. Yeah, I think yeah. Brian was it was it you that said at at UJ that if, if that if that were a taller goalkeeper he would have tipped it over the bar. I think you said that or somebody. Yeah, I, I, I did. I think Allison could have headed that ball over the bar. But, <laughs> let's put it this um, way. Let's put it this way. Yeah, if, I mean, if he didn't T Rex arm it, if he didn't have T Rex yeah. arms, he would. <laughs> yeah, I, I did say that. I mean, his, his his options there are, I think, are let it go out for a goal kick. And that's a bit risky because I think the ball was going to hit maybe the backside of the bar or perhaps the top of the bar. Um, but you, so you, maybe he has to play it, but you should absolutely tip that out, out for a corner kick. And, and I, I've been thinking about it for a couple of days. I've watched it 30 freaking times and even, you know, put some stuff out there on Facebook on our Facebook pages. If you watch the replay, especially if you're listening on headphones, you can hear the ball hit the bar. There's that loud clank, you know, when a screamer flies in a net and you can hear the the net kind of rattle against the the metal of the of the post and the bar, you hear that kind of bang and that clank. You hear that loud when, when the ball first goes to Pickford's hands and the bar. So that's there. So I think Pickford probably gets a touch, but it hits the bar and it hits the bar hard. So our, our friend Boback thinks that, that on Facebook that uh, Pickford went up and kind of altered the spin of the ball and helped it hit the bar and stay in play. I think Pickford went up to play that and, and, and kind of misplayed it badly at the last second, maybe thinking, okay, that's out and didn't get very much of a touch at all. I, I think the bar is a much heavier touch initially than Pickford's hands. Then of course the second, the second bounce is absolutely off the bar. And then the third one, you know, Gomez nods it in and, and we all go freaking berserk and start cutting each other. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, I'd like to think it just from a humorous standpoint that, all this media attention and, and silly social media stuff has got to Pickford. He's trying to 
prove himself and this and that. And he, so he tries to play this with his hands and he can't quite reach it. I think that's a bit of a, a stretch for, for lack of a better analogy, but he plays it badly. It, it, it's, it may be a, an error that haunts him. It may not be an error that haunts him at all, but you know, we've had a goalkeeper that made some big errors and some big matches and he doesn't play for our club anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, I don't know that that's going to happen because I think Everton's happy with, you know, having the England goalkeeper. They think it's a big freaking deal. And, and you no, know, maybe I would too, if I was, you know, a fan of a club that haven't, hasn't beat their rival in forever, but 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Years. I mean, it's 1999 was the last time that Everton won a Derby at Anfield. You know, there are kids that are almost old enough to drink that have never seen Everton, you know, win at Anfield. So uh, it's been a long time, and it was a huge mistake. And and you know, cheers and in full marks for Origi. And I think it was Sturridge that went and attacked that ball, and Origi absolutely attacked it. The, the four, it actually, was five Everton defenders gave up on that completely, thinking, okay, Pickford's got that. He fucked it up, and Origi nodded at home, and and three points to the Reds. Yeah, exactly. Great, great point. Great point. Um, so, well, how about the, the the complete the complete one eighty for Vir- if you're Virgil Van Dyke on that because you know you're sitting there you hit it you know you hit it wrong you're going fuck god damn it and then, oh my god yes I mean that's basically the only way you can ex- describe it right I mean that, yeah that's- he he hits that and he spins away in disgust mad at himself pissed. he looked yes, like he was he shaking his head. After he hit that ball, yeah, 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 he, he puts his hands up to his he face, like yeah. damn it, or clenches his hand or something, pissed. Yeah, and, and we know that's a tough shot. That is a very tough shot to make. That that level, that high of a volley, and and like a scissor kick almost. I actually, I wonder if he actually really does scissor, scissor kick it if he actually hits it. it. It's a side volley. It's about even with. Okay. The, I've watched it. Like I said, eight thousand times. It's about even with his waist, so it, it's it's extremely tough. And I don't know that there's any center back in this league that's going to bury that. Um, you know, he went for it. It's a 96 minute, but yeah, it's about even with his waist or, or waist high, so to speak. It's a tough, tough first timer for sure. <laughs> man, man, if he would have hit that, that would have been there would have been songs. <laughs> I mean, I think quicker. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, they probably just brought up the probably the, and then up pops the leg of Virgil Van Dyke. Oh, Everton, we're all laughing at you. <laughs> if he if he hits that and stays with the club long enough, that's a statue. But, that, yeah, that you know strike, what? But good point. Good point. Well, Stevie G doesn't yeah. have a statue yet, but uh, you know the the official Premier League fantasy um, game. Those of you that play kind of fantasy football in this case, they gave him an assist on that, which I find to be absolutely fucking hilarious. <laughs> That's insane. It's oh. an assist. It's an official assist on the Fantasy Premier League website. So well, that's awesome. Oh, I man, love it. That's great. No, what didn't somebody give the crossbar? <laughs> didn't that pop didn't Jordan show us a picture? Uh there was I, yeah, there was a screenshot. Go ahead, Jim. I think there was it, a screenshot it, I saw. So he he showed a screenshot from uh, the Premier League website on on assists and they were it was it was an assist standings. Uh, who who's got how many assists and it listed crossbar as number sixty or something on the list. <laughs> but I it looked it looked like it had been it, like, it was probably doctored, but it still it's kind of funny. I mean, there's just no way that that happens. All right, so the other <laughs> The the other big big uh, news I guess event that came out of that whole thing was uh, Jurgen Klopp just 
runs out onto the pitch, uh, hugs Allison Becker, and uh, and then retreats back off the pitch. Um, me personally, I saw that as he is just all of a sudden he his mind just goes blank and he just does what he. He, he just an instinct and his instinct is to celebrate with his players. Um, I don't, and anyway, he runs out on the pitch and, uh, and then there's been calls from all over the place, including Danny Mills of all things, uh, saying that, that Klopp, Klopp shouldn't have done that. Um, actually I think didn't Danny Mills say if he was on the pitch, he would have given him a forearm or something like that. Um, he should be arrested. I mean, all those kind of things. And like, really? this is what you want from your coach. You want your coach to be passionate, a big tense match and you score a late winner. You want your coach out there celebrating with the team. I, I I don't care if it, well, I probably wouldn't if it was Josie Marino, but Pep does it. Pep's done it before (laughs) with city. We've seen those videos. Um, club club usually runs the sideline. This is just a momentary lapse of judgment. In my opinion. Um, he did, Say that he apologized to Sari after the match. Um, just said he got caught up in the emotion. Sari says that he didn't. Uh, not sorry, excuse me. Um, Silva is it Marco Silva, the coach? Of the yeah, American? Silva. Yeah, Silva. Silva said that he didn't apologize. Okay, well, I think it is. Shit, I don't care. It's Everton. Shit log. <laughs> he he. Let, let's hope that they make it right. Um, uh, outside there, I, I immediately said, "Okay, well, that's going to be a fine, or he's going to get suspended." Um, came out today that he was given an eight thousand uh, pound fine from the FA. Kind of is just like a my the way I'm seeing that is, yeah, we have to do something because we don't want that happening all the time. But um, but yeah, we we understand where you're coming from, Jurgen. <laughs> so, guys, did you have any problem? Well, and with, one with one more thing out? on that: J- James Pierce from the Echo tweeted today, I think this morning, that 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 Klopp's actually toned it down since his days, like at Mines. I think he he posted. Of the video of when Clapp was at, at Mines, yeah. where he's runs down the touchline and then runs behind the goal and is exhorting the fans and the stands to go crazy. And so, um, for for what it's worth, I mean, you know, I, I think it's a whole lot of hubbub over nothing. Um, I, I think you know, any anybody who is is a spirited person um, is shouldn't be surprised that that Klopp would celebrate in that manner. I just. Just think the whole controversy is ridiculous. He's broken his glasses celebrating a goal before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's a fair point to say, well, you, you shouldn't run on the pitch, but it's it's not like he's 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 committing a capital offense or something. It's just it's 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 too much controversy. I think part over, of the argument was over that nothing. If, if it had been a fan going out onto the pitch, then they would have been they would have been banned for X number of years. That's, but that's not a. That's not an apt comparison. This isn't a no, fan. This isn't a, isn't. you know, Klopp wasn't going to uh, in any way, you know, injure a player or, or you know, players weren't fearing for their safety. Who knows what a fan's got in his or her pocket if they go out there. I mean, that's, you know, fortunately there's never been a, a big instance like that, but I don't know that I think that's a good comparison. But, well, could, you know, to this... be fair, so, I mean, we don't want managers running on the field. I, I take a slightly different angle to this and I'll try to add a little spin to it at the end but you know there's reasons we don't want bench players running out there there's reasons you don't want substitutes running out there there's reasons you don't want managers running out there it could delay the game it could be used by you know teams to to waste time Everton wasted a shitload of time and, oh, and maybe I yeah. get to that later but 
I understand why people are upset that Klopp ran out there. However, every supporter who loves their team in any league in the world wants your manager to react with that kind of passion. Maybe not right on the field, but they want your manager to react with that kind of passion for your club, especially when you score a goal in the 96th minute that you can't believe just took place in one of the biggest games of the year. So he ran out there, and he felt bad about it. He apologized for it. He's going to pay his fine. Hell, somebody had to go out there and pick up the fucking blue flare that was thrown out of the infield pitch and get rid of that damn thing. <laughs> and the yeah. lighters so and coins. Good for him for going yeah. out there and taking care of it. Yeah. Um, so here's the next question. Do you think that maybe we are more willing to accept this kind of behavior because of its, I'm going to say, borderline acceptance in uh, American sports? So I throw out the um, a buzzer beater at Assembly Hall against number one rated Kentucky, um, and the, you can't see the floor afterwards because the, the whole crowd empties onto the floor. Or um, tearing down goalposts after a big football win um, in college sports. Or um, or even, you know, let's look at the NFL where coaches are routinely – they're not supposed to leave the sideline, but you see them almost out to midfield half the time yelling at players. Um, you know, it might be a dead player, dead ball or something like that, <clears throat> but one could argue that's what Klopp was doing. Do you think that maybe this could be just because we're American and we're used to seeing this kind of uh, celebration or, you know, or positioning from people? Anybody willing to take that one? I mean, I, I suppose, um, I, I certainly think some of it has to, some of the, um, our differences of perspective on it has to do with, and, and the differences of perspective of people in England might have to do with the fact that this is a Derby game. It's a particularly story Derby game or, or a Derby game and a particularly storied rivalry. Um, I'll be a one that's generally pretty amicable, uh, at least between fans, um, so, you know, that could have something to do with it, us, us being Americans, but I don't know. I, 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 I guess some of it might come from the fact that, you know, we're sort of viewing this through, uh, through rose colored glasses because we're used to Klopp being an animated, uh, manager and somebody who gets excited over, over events in the game. So it's just not unusual for us to see that. Brian, you got I think that, I think I think that's that's a, a well said. I mean, I it, it, there's been a lot of things said about this and, and Klopp's actions, and I didn't realize until about an hour before we recorded that you know if you go out there and find the audio of Martin Tyler calling the uh, the goal, he called it the daftest goal ever in the in the Merseyside Derby. You know, wins it for Liverpool or something like that. And I guess Carragher's commentating with him. And he screams, you know, look at Jurgen Klopp as he's running across the pitch, and, and which I didn't realize that was Carragher. So I found that to be kind of terrific. Uh, the Redmen TV guys are interviewing Carragher, and he was talking about his comment there. But one thing I've not seen from anybody, and maybe I've just missed it, or maybe I'm just you know not following stupid accounts. There's no one saying that Klopp was wasting time by doing that. It was no, just purely a passionate thing. And this, this wasn't a time-wasting thing. This wasn't caused, even inadvertently caused time to be wasted. And it, it's, if I can touch on the time-wasting thing for a second, I did a very informal thing, you know, yesterday morning because I didn't work in the morning and I, I had some time off, so I watched the game again. I, I get out my phone and I start this little stopwatch that you have on your phone, right? And I start timing with a start and a stop button, just a cumulative 
what I consider time wasting for Everton. And I was very cordial or very um, fair. So I didn't like immediately click it as soon as the guy fell down. You know, I, I waited for him to lay there for a second for the foul to be called for the referee to walk over. Then I would start the time wasting button. Right. So I'm trying to be fair about it. So starting it in, in, and really Everton made several subs leading up like an 89th minute sub a 90th minute sub. I didn't count that. I was just looking at the stoppage time. So, um, what's the Icelandic fellow's name? Sigurdsson. He, you know, he, he commits yeah. a foul and kicks the ball away in the 90th minute. And that wastes most of the 90th minute. And, and they put his number up with, with 20 seconds to go. And he starts walking off the pitch, you know, at a snail's pace, shakes the referee's hand, you know. So I didn't even start until the 90th minute starts. And I'm trying to record in, in a, as objective way as I can the time wasting that Everton does in stoppage time only. They had another player go down, Sigurdsson, t- you know, taking his time getting off the field, you know, that little scuffle down in the corner flag that, you know, um, yeah. Trent was involved in and with Charleston and Van Dyke staring down with Charleston. You know, I didn't even count all that, just part of it, right? Everton, by my calculations, wasted two minutes and 52 seconds. Okay. <laughs> two minutes and 52 seconds. So it was supposed to be four minutes of stoppage time, right? So that would make it, you know, four minutes of stoppage time plus 252 makes it 9652, right? Referee blew the full-time whistle on 96.50. That is right on the money, and I could be off by you know a handful of seconds. And I know that there's no way that the referee in the match in, in the fourth official did any kind of calculations like I did. Matt was pa- you know pausing it and, and hitting the button and, and playing. And I did it again and played it all the way through. I think Everton wasted 2.52, and the referee added 2.50, and, and that's exactly what should happen when teams do what Everton did in stoppage time. Yep. All right, I'm done. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, anything else Let's uh, before we get to man of the match? Anything else you guys want to talk, chat about? Okay, let's move on to man of the match. Um, Brian, who was your man of the match? Absolutely, Allison for me. He, he was just steady the whole game. He didn't have to make a ton of saves, but his, he did everything perfect. His distribution was great. I don't think any outfield player was particularly magnificent. Uh, Allison was was outstanding, and that that save in the first half, point blank range, was just awesome. I'm giving it to Allison. Jim, man of the match, Jordan Pickford. (laughs) (laughs) That was gonna be mine. That was gonna be mine. Seriously, (laughs) I'm I'm kidding. Uh, uh, Allison would be my pick too. Um, yeah, he gives a good shout, but I'm going to give it to Fabino. Uh, guys, seriously, I thought that's how great he played. I, I think uh, somebody was asking for match ratings on Fabino. I gave him eight and a half. I thought he was great. I think he was probably the best player on the pitch um, start to finish because he covered the most ground. Um, yeah, I, I think Virgil van Dyke probably, if if he <laughs> put, put up a good uh, – I mean, he got an assist, so, you know, maybe, but uh, – but yeah, Al- Allison was great. I-, I think any between those three, I think probably I would uh, put. Well, Joe Gomez too with that that save. Uh, gosh, we didn't really talk about that, but what a freaking save! It was a team save. I don't know. I don't know if Allison got lucky on that. Um, I heard. Okay, so I I don't think he did. I mean, if you look at his positioning, and he, he just it, it, that, and he just made himself big. He he really spread himself out. Yeah. Yeah, he he did the right thing, and then Joe Gomez's awareness to get over and save that was was awesome. Um, by the way, so 
um, the, I know you guys haven't listened to them in years, uh, but Men and Blazers, I, I happened to put it on because Raj is an Everton fan, and I wanted to hear what he had to say about the match. Uh, but but Michael Davies was talking about how they think you can score too early. He also has this theory that you can be too close to score too, and he he, he was crediting that, uh, saying that he was too close, and that's why the goal. <laughs> <laughs> too close too close okay um so yeah i seriously though i'm gonna stick with fabino for my man of the match okay guys let's look let's move on we've spent quite a bit of time talking about this and celebrating the uh the victory at anfield uh but it looks like the the reds are traveling to burnley 19th place burnley um well tomorrow or wednesday depending on when you listen to this might even be today or yesterday um so brian what what do you uh what are you thinking on this burnley match 19th place burnley I want three points. I mean, there's some questions about squad rotation. There's a, a bit of a, some speculation that Rabo's injured. I think we're going to see some other players start. This isn't going to be a uh, anywhere near the team that we saw against Everton. So I don't think that means Moreno and Klein. I think it probably means Moreno or Klein. One of the others is going to start. Um, I think Kate is going to start. I think Henderson's going to start. So in the front three, I think one of those three is going to maybe get a rest. I kind of hope that's Firmino. But um, I, I understand that Mane um, suffered a, an injury to his foot, some type of a cut or some type of an yeah, actual laceration. I, I don't know if he was standing too close to some of the people I was standing next to at UJ, but uh, <laughs> yeah, some kind of some kind of cut on his foot. So he may be the one that, that makes way. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of team Klopp puts out there. But Burnley 19th, they play a lot, a lot of long balls. So I, I expect Lovren to be in there. Maybe rest Gomez. I, I play Lovren as center back with Virgil to handle all the long balls. Rest Gomez, maybe play Klein at right back and, and ask Rabo to play an hour or so if he's if he's okay. Um, but we'll, we should get the win. Lots of long balls from Burnley. Expect that and. And uh, let's go get three points on the road. Yeah, let's get three points on the road. City won today, so if we want to keep close to them, uh, we need to make sure we get a win. Uh, Jim, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? Brian's on point with that or not? Yeah, I think Brian's calls are good, and and either there has to be squad rotation right now because we're playing three matches in seven days. I mean, that's going to take a toll on uh, some of the players who are out there often. So I think the, the the setup that Brian has is is likely to be the one that Klopp ends up putting out there on the pitch. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna bring. I think he's gonna leave Trent in and probably put Moreno in at left back. That's just me personally. <clears throat> yeah, you're probably right. I think um, Trent's, or I'm sorry, um, Andy's. You know, dead leg, so to speak, is maybe more important than than. Trent needing a rest, so that Trent, makes some sense. Moreno Trent, on the left and Trent's 19, Trent 20, on the right. Trent's nineteen twenty years old. He could he could play four games in a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's you're probably I think, right. I think he's been rotated out because of uh, def- defensive liabilities, and they're probably going to be saving, uh, giving Joe. You know what? If Joe Gomez plays, I wouldn't be surprised because I think they they might rest him on the weekend. Then, um. <clears throat> uh, Against Bournemouth, um, and and then uh, and have him ready to go for Napoli. Um, again, he's twenty twenty two years old. He could probably play four games in a week too. But Klopp likes to uh, give give them a break when he can, especially since he's not squad rotating out Virgil Van Dyke anytime soon, 
either. Um, yeah, we're right there. We all. I, I'm expecting a win. It's 19th place. I don't think it's going to be as easy as uh, <laughs> as as the um, the standing show. Um, but I, I I do expect some changes. I expect some changes up front. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, a Rigi start just kind of as a thank you uh, for that. See what you can. Do. Let's see if you can go from there. I also wouldn't be surprised if we saw a really good, uh, a really long time of Daniel Sturridge out on the pitch. Also, that's what I was going to say. He, he was the first thing pe- person I was thinking about that that might start. I liked I liked Sturridge in the Everton match. I thought he he brought a change of pace. I thought he was uh, he might have been forcing it a little too much. Uh, he had a couple shots that just didn't quite play out. I think maybe he might have been forcing it, or maybe it was just a uh, not match fit. Or whatever, but the guy can score. I I I have full faith in him. If if, uh, if he can get behind, if he can get behind, if he can make a, get himself up, get a little bit of space. I think I think uh, it could be a long day at Turf Moor for Burnley. Uh, moving on to the weekend mid table, Bournemouth uh, coming in. Uh, Jim, how are you thinking about the Cherries match? You know, it, it's going to be challenging. Uh, we're we're playing away, and there are going to be no pushovers right now. I mean, they're they're on fifteen matches played, and they're sixth in the table. They're just above Everton, although Everton has a game in hand. Um, so I don't know. You know, I've been I've been thinking about this, and I'm not sure what Klopp's squad selection is going to be. I think he's you know going to try to save uh, a lot of the the players that are typically first team for the Napoli match. So you know maybe that means we see uh, you know maybe well I mean if he, if 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 we don't worry about him being made of glass, maybe Sturridge plays some more substantial minutes, particularly if he doesn't play uh, against uh, Burnley. Um, and then defense, I, I, I think, I think you're, you're right, Joe. I think Gomez might sit out, uh, the, the match against, against, uh, uh, Burnmouth. So, um, other than that, I'm sort of, uh, uh, puzzled as to what Klopp might, might, do, might do. I'm not quite sure. Brian? You know, I haven't really thought about that match very much, but I know I've seen Burnmouth play a little bit. I've watched, you know, a half of theirs here and there. They're dynamic, they're attacking, they're interesting. But even at home, I don't know that that's the way to beat this Liverpool team. So, you know, not that every team has to sit back against us and bunker and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, if you come at us and, and, and we start winning balls in the midfield or we start winning balls with the press. You know, we're going to create some chances, and, and the odds are we're going to put a couple of them away, even though our finishing hasn't been great lately. Uh, I, if we beat Burnley midweek and, and Burnmouth attack us, I think we'll hammer them, you know, a 3-1 or a 4-1 or something like that. So I, I hope that happens. might be wishful thinking, but uh, I would welcome the Cherries attacking us because I think we can handle that just fine and and uh, do really well. How did Burnmouth play City? Because, I mean, we one could argue that, that we're similar teams in that regard. I mean, City has a better midfield. Don't give me, it's currently, currently City has a better midfield. Um, but it, wasn't it one one at half this weekend? And then uh, yes, it was. <laughs> yes, and then City ends up yeah. playing two more in the second half. So um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, we'll see how Bournemouth comes out. Uh, we're talking about it now because we're probably not going to pot again before that match. Um, and then we will definitely have a better idea of how we think the club's going to line up against Napoli. Um, I think six points is crucial. Uh, we're getting to that time of year where we really need to start, um, where, where we can start creating separation. Um, God, gosh dang, guys. Arsenal has a tough run of games from what I was hearing. Um, 
They played Spurs this weekend. I think they play uh un- is it do they play United tomorrow? They play I'm looking here on the schedule. It was it was Spurs. Uh, they play United at, at Old Trafford. Yeah, and then they have tomorrow. An, and then they have So that's a win. That's a win for Arsenal. Yep, exactly. And I think they've got another <laughs> big match. And I think they've got another bigger team on the weekend. So three back to back. They have Huddersfield on oh, the weekend. I digress. So no, I digress. It's another big mid table team, just like United. Maybe, uh, was it Chelsea that was before them? Anyway, <laughs> they they had a they had a um <clears throat> they've had a tough tough run of games. But I mean Liverpool. We come back after that Napoli game. It's it's Manchester United that weekend. So I'm I'm not. I, I want to make jokes about it, but we can't sleep on Manchester United. I mean, gosh, they were down. They were down two nothing, and ended up coming back and getting a draw against Southampton. Um, so, <laughs> well, and Chelsea, Chelsea don't have a very easy match tomorrow either. They play Wolves at uh, the Molyneux. So Wolves have been slumping though, from what I've been hearing. They have, but I think they're going to be tougher at home than than uh, than people might expect. So we'll see. I mean, we're not even halfway through the season. It's getting to the fast and furious time of the year, the next two months. So welcome to the craziness, folks. Um, I'm super excited for it. Um, and that leads me to kind of, we're going to, I have slated to wrap up, but I kind of want to do an announcement in here. So um, we have made a commitment to ourselves, or at least I've made a commitment to myself. Um, but last uh when I stopped in at the PSG match, uh, our good friend Michael Need said, Joe, we need to have a, a match where you bring in a podcasting equipment and we do a live pod at Union Jack Pub in beautiful Broad Ripple. And I said, you know what? You're exactly right. And so on November, or excuse me, December 26th, Boxing Day, Liverpool match, uh, I will be bringing my gear. Um, Jim will hopefully be coming too. Brian, I said, I believe you said you were going to be working that day um, and missed the match. Yeah, I might, I might try to pull a couple strings. You never know, but okay. yeah, let's go ahead with your announcement. This sounds awesome. We'll have three. We'll have three microphones set up. Um, if if Jim makes it, um, two church tables and a microphone, and that was a good drum break. <laughs> no, I, I digress. Where um, where it's at? Where <laughs> Union Jack Pub in beautiful Broad Ripple on uh, Boxing Day, we will do a live pod at that match. My boys will be there, so if anybody wants to come help um, just kind of make sure that they're playing on their tablets and not creating a ruckus um, as my wife works uh, we will get this all set up and we'll have fun so if you want to come on this podcast you want you want to give your insight um, just stop in say hi or whatever this is going to be kind of like I'm just kind of envisioning like what uh, what we used to do with ULF when uh, when Napoon and Gabe were both running that, um, and and they they do the United uh, it was always the United Liverpool match and hey how you feeling before this match so it's going to be kind of all you guys and then maybe we'll come do a, a post match wrap up but you guys will be welcome to come on as well no matter no matter your level of inebriation uh, we might even get some ambient sound throughout the match. Um, of singing songs, uh, celebrations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we'll see how all that plays out as well. So not, n- nothing set in stone except for the fact that we are planning on it uh, December 26th for the Liverpool match on Boxing Day. Union Jack Pub in beautiful Broad Ripple, Indiana. Be there or be square. Okay, let's start wrapping it up now. Brian, uh, what are your plugs and non-plugs? Uh, excellent. So <laughs> my plug, unusually, is to Liverpool Football Club. So I, I read the other day that Liverpool's won an award um, that was given out by oh the Commonwealth Office, uh, which I'm, you know, I, I don't really know. I'm assuming that's some type of government agency there in 
in England, and it's called, well, really, any business is eligible to win this award. So it's not just football clubs or, or sporting entities or anything like that. Um, it celebrates businesses that, that do a certain thing, and the award is called the Disabled People's Choice Award. So Liverpool has won this, and so uh, my plug is for them. Um, the dis- this Disabled People's Choice Award is given to any organization that's been an outstanding employer of disabled people, provided inclusive, accessible things for customers, created positive change overall, overall for disabled people. So well done to Liverpool. That, that's a cool thing uh, for them to win. And, and just another example of this great club that we support doing really great things. So plug to Liverpool for winning the uh, Disabled People's Choice Award over there in England. So uh, that I just thought that was cool. Uh, non-plug for me this week is to Graham Lasso, who did the the color commentary for the Everton match. I I, I always suspected this guy had a bit of a, a kind of anti-Liverpool bias, and, and maybe I'm behind the times here, but it seemed really evident to me during this game that he just doesn't like Liverpool. <laughs> you know, after that that late winner, he called it cruel, and that Everton definitely deserved a point. And they're watching the replay, and he's saying no, that ball looked out. It, maybe it was over the bar and out. I mean, this guy's just trying to find anything he can to, to uh, I guess, disparage Liverpool. And so my non-plug today is for Graham fucking Lasso. <laughs> Sorry, I always go back to Karras. <laughs> not Karras, excuse me, Fowler's comments about Graham Lasso. Okay, yeah, so those two we'll, we'll get along, and, <laughs> and Fowler did some bad things towards Graham Lasso and, and later apologized for it. And I don't expect them to ever be buddies, but uh, you know that might have something to do with Lasso's views on Liverpool. I, I, I'd like to think not, but uh, you know, you never know. But I'm still going to non-plug Graham Lasso. Uh, Jim, plugs on plugs. Uh, well, this will be an interesting segue. <laughs> Based on, uh, based on the the Fowler uh, Graham Lasso conflict, um, my plug is for the Premier League and for the Premier League clubs for promoting the Rainbow Laces campaign, which the league has been doing, I think, for two or three years now, uh, to support LGBTQ causes, uh, in pe- uh, LGBTQ people in football and and uh, in other aspects of life, and just showing that uh, that the league and and the Premiership clubs are are um, open to uh, fan support from everybody. So you see, you know, the rainbow armbands and the rainbow shoelaces, and you know, Liverpool switches their uh, their um, their avatars on social media with the rainbow flags. So I, I think that's a great thing to see, um, uh, particularly in, in, in a sporting environment where, uh, where, you know, uh, homophobia is still present and yeah. maybe not as much in the, in, in, in the soccer world as much as it used to be. Uh, but still it's, it's a good thing to recognize. Um, and uh, I was trying to think of non-plugs this week, and I've just kind of drawn a blank, guys. I, I, I can't think of anybody to make fun of. So uh, I'm just going to go with, with the plug this week. Well, Jim, I got you covered because I got two non-plugs. But first, I'm going to start with a plug. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, my first plug is to Liverpool Football Club and the redesign that they did with uh, Anfield Road and Main Stand. Um, you I've heard Arlo White discuss previously about, oh, the, this gantry is great, this gantry is great, and never heard of Anfield. But pre-match, as they're zooming in or whatever, um, he says he says something along the lines of, one of the best gantries, or wherever the announcers are, in the country. 
uh, especially after the redevelopment. <laughs> so, hey, all right, you guys did something right. At least the American announcers are, well, they're British, but anyway, uh, for American TV, uh, like what you guys do. And actually, I just upped it to three non-plugs. Um, I'm going back to NBC Sports. Uh, they are doing a, another one of their My Premier League morning things down at the, at, uh, at the Chelsea Pier in New York City. Um, also saying, hey, well, come tell us where you guys will be at and, and try to get us to come to your place. And um, no, because you guys are still you guys are still employing somebody from that trash newspaper, uh, running them on your employ. I will watch the matches, but I will not watch or participate in anything that has to do with my Premier League morning until until he is done um, representing. Yeah, until he's done on on NBC Sports. Um, my my next non plug is to um, is to the idiot at uh, Wembley Stadium who threw a banana at uh, at Lacazette. Uh, or excuse me, at Emirates. It was a Spurs fan that threw one at Lacazette um, at the Emirates Stadium. Um, how this is 2018. And this is something that we haven't really heard much about in, I don't know, 16 years. I, I think I remember hearing about it a few times back in the early 2000s, but we haven't really heard about this. And people are still doing this and still holding that kind of racism. And that just infuriates me. Um, that's a big non-plug there as well. And also a non-plug to Brian Smith because he sends a text message <laughs> to Jim and myself that says $10 for every Steely Dan song that you can get Jim to put on his playlist. Or no, 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 I digress. That you recommend get on Jim's Spotify crowdsource playlist and Joe Dilling lists five of them and Brian is refusing to pay me. So non-plug to Brian Smith. I, owe, I don't know you what you're me, talking about. You owe me 50 American dollars. <laughs> well, I, I had it at Union Jack and pulled it out of the hat and somebody else won it. <laughs> but I'm bummed. <laughs> My account was hacked. Oh, it was Some, I mean, I, I thought I had the phone far enough away from the guy with the little arms to be able to sign in, but apparently I had it too close. The guy with the little arms signed in. <laughs> Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Let, let's uh, go ahead and finish wrapping it up. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we really wouldn't be here without you. Please spread the word. We know our good friend Rustin Kratz is um, out sharing the word because uh, some because Brian has a long story that he'll share with you sometime, Rusty. But, uh, but thanks for doing that work. If you have any Liverpool uh, supporter friends, please spread the word. Let them know that we're here. Um, and we're we're willing to do what it takes. Well, not really. We're we uh we're willing. We're open to feedback. We'll put it that way. So if you don't like uh, something that we do, uh, then or Joe says uh too much, uh, something along those lines. It's something that we can work on to get better for you. Uh, that's what we want to do. Um, also, want to thank Brian and Jim for coming on tonight. Thank you guys. It, seriously, it was a blast. Uh, we're running a little longer than usual, but still, I think it was well worth it. And we had a good time chatting. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. And and we ran long because we talked about shit logs. Shit log, Just shit have log. that known. Shit log, log, log. Okay, if you guys want to contact us, you can always find us on Twitter. <laughs> our Twitter <laughs> at, at Indie Reds Pod. Once again, that's at Indie Reds Pod. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Indie Reds Podcast. 
or you can email us. It's IndieRedsPod at gmail.com. Once again, IndieRedsPod at gmail.com. Um, also, still, if you have any interest in maybe an online FIFA 19 tourney uh, kind of sponsored by the Indie Reds podcast, uh, let us know. Uh, we're gauging interest still on that. That's going to do it for this evening, folks. This is Joe Dilling signing off for Episode 60 of the Indie Reds podcast. 